This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, July 28th, 2019. Behind the music, Reckless. Good morning, Connection Church. This morning we conclude our series called Behind the Music, where we take a contemporary Christian song and we look at where the song came from, um, what the song's about, scriptural roots of the song. Today we're going to be looking at the song Reckless Love. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We want to welcome you all here today. We also want to welcome those of you who are tuning in on Facebook Live. And Devin, have a great vacation. Kyle, TC, Rachel, Bonnie, (laughs) Jeff. Uh, We've also got Art and Stacy and Jackie and Rob and Mike and Mary. I mean, there's a lot of people. Many others. (laughs) Lori, there's a lot of people on Facebook Live. So we hope that if you're not able to join us, if you're away on vacation, that you'll tune in. Would you, oh, I want to tell you guys who were watching when the sound was muted, um, that was Corey Asbury. You can go on YouTube and check it out. It's why he wrote the song, you know, what he was feeling when he wrote the song. And also that was Becca, our own Becca Hartwick, one of our youth who had a a life-changing experience while she was on the mission trip last week. And she was sharing how she felt a love of God that she's never felt before. So I'd like for us to bow our heads and pray so we can get started. God, thank you so much for this morning, for gathering us here, for everybody here, my family that's come from far away to be with us, and those who are far away watching. Um, God, you're so good. And you bind us together with your love. Settle us in that we might be changed and transformed by your love. And I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said? Amen. Amen. Reckless Love. That's our focus song this morning. It's a song that was written by Corey Asbury, who we just saw on the screen, as well as Caleb Culver and Rand Jackson. And the song became very popular when a video was released by Bethel Music, and the singer was somebody named Stephanie Gretzinger. And she went on YouTube, published this song back in 2017, and within a year, there were over 14 million views. So the song became popular very quickly, and so Corey Asbury, one of the writers, released it Um, on his own record, an official single, and it reached number one in the Billboard charts. And, you know, Christian music has these Billboard charts just like popular music does. And the song actually became Song of the Year, Worship Song of the Year, and even in uh, 2019, it was nominated for Top Christian Song Music Award. So it's a really big deal song in the Christian world. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your 
You know, one of our greatest challenges as human beings is to be able to accept this idea that, that God loves us unconditionally through no doing of our own. We live in a world of uh, conditionality, a world in which if is a key word. I'll do this if you'll do that. I'll, I'll love you if you love me. Uh, if you love me, I love you if you love me first. I'll love you if you do what I want you to do. I'll, I'll love you if you give me what I want you to give me. True unconditional love is kind of foreign to most of us. And so it's a challenge for us to not just understand it, but to, but to be able to accept it from the creator of all things. I mean, think about that. The God of the universe. Yeah. And then the question is, why in the world would God want to love me? Maybe the better question is, how can he love me considering all the things that I've done. And with that, we conclude that he can't. He can't possibly love. And so then we work very hard at trying to earn this love that God just wants to give us. <laughs> no questions asked. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, we can't earn this love no matter how hard we try. We certainly don't deserve this love. It's a gift that God gives us, no strings attached. And so before we even speak a word, the song says this, before we even speak a word, God sings over us. Do you know that God sings over you? Just think about that. Think about that in your good days and think about that in your bad days. Days when you're just wondering what in the world is going on or, or there's challenges beyond. God sings over you. Wow. Now, if you're a parent, you understand this because we sing over our kids. If you're a grandparent, you really understand that. I'm a little partial here. You know, you love the child. You sing over the child. Before they've ever done a single thing, they can just lay there and smile, and you're just singing over them. That's how it works. God is the ultimate parent, and he sings over each one of us, over each one of you. Mm. He created you. He created me. And so he can't help it. He just loves us no matter what, and we can't do a single thing about it. Mm. And not only did God sing over you, does God sing over you, God blew the very breath of life into you. We're reminded here of the words found in Genesis, second chapter, verse 7. This is the New International Version. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Wow. Wow. You know, this word breath is interesting. The Old Testament, usually uh, we look at the Hebrew. That's where the Old Testament comes from. New Testament written in Greek. Old Testament word for breath is, uh, is ruach. The New Testament word or the Greek word for, 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 um, for that is pneuma. In both of those languages, though, that same word, the word for breath, is also the word used for wind and for spirit. And so God breathes into us, into you and into me, the very breath of life. And as he's doing that, he's breathing into us his 
very spirit, the spirit of God. Before we've ever taken a breath, God breathes into us his spirit so that then we're able to breathe on our own. Isn't that incredible? God's spirit brings to life you and me. As the singer says, God has been so, so kind to us. Amen? Amen. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves in 99. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. The love of God. The love of God. It chases me down. It chases you down until we're found. It leaves the 99. In the 15th chapter of Luke's gospel, Luke, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the second half of the Bible in the New Testament, and that's the life and the ministry of Jesus. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus does a lot of teaching through parables. A parable is a short story that really teaches a greater truth. And so he shares about a shepherd who's out in the field and one of the sheep go missing. Now in that culture, sheep were highly valued to the point where if a shepherd had 100 sheep and one went missing, he would leave the 99 to go find the one. We are sheep in God's kingdom. You are a sheep. Is that the right plural? I don't know. We're sheep, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. When one is lost, God will leave the 99 to find the one. Every single one of you, every single one of us matters to God. Every single one. And so in order to save us, he will do anything that shepherd to find us. Now, it is not that God abandons the 99 because we're still in the fold. But God will do anything to go reach us who become lost. That's how important you are. That's how important we are to God. That's how much God loves us. God's love, as we said before, we can't earn it no matter how hard we try, and we certainly don't deserve it. Interesting thing is there's nothing you can do, nothing I can do to make God love me, love you anymore. But on the other hand, there's nothing we can do to make God love us any less. It's just who God is. And there's nothing we can do to change that. Nothing. The overwhelming love. Say overwhelming. 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 It's a love that is profuse, inordinate, massive. It is incredible. It is staggering. It's sweeping. It's fantastic. It's stupendous. And I can't even think of the amount of adjectives to describe it. There just aren't enough. It's a love that's actually so much more overwhelming. I mean, think about when we're overwhelmed. Overwhelming beyond comprehension, never ending. That's really an important aspect never-ending love of God. 
And all we can do is to receive that. It is like you can't do anything to make God stop loving you. Oh, I, you know what? God's not going to love me if I do this. Wrong. God's not going to love me if I do that. Wrong. God can't not love you because God equals love. That's God's nature to love. Mm. The reckless love of God. Now, this is where this song gets a little tricky because we often have negative connotations with this word reckless, like reckless driving. It's not a good thing, is it? Anywhere, anytime, reckless driving. That's because reckless means doing something without thinking or caring about the consequences. And so it seems rather careless and maybe even immature, reckless. But when we look closer, this is exactly what God's love for us is. It's reckless. And that's because God's, uh, the, the, the flip on it though is, it's about God's only concern is the consequences. It's not that he doesn't care. It's his only concern is the consequences of his love. And it's that we would know that he loves us. That's why it's so reckless, because that's all he cares about. In the 13th chapter of the book of Matthew, second part of the Bible in the New Testament, Jesus shares two closely related parables. A parable again, simple story, sharing a greater truth. Here's what Jesus says. I'm reading uh, Matthew 13, verses 44, 45. The words are on the screen. He's teaching about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he did it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Mm. The, the traditional, the regular, the ordinary, uh, what for the most part I've heard all my life, interpretation of these parables is that when we come to realize God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, what it truly is, well, how magnificent it is when we are willing to, to take it in, to say yes to that relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we basically say, here, here I am, all I have, here, Lord. Amen? Here it is. I'm yours. Take it. What if we flip, flip these parables about 180 degrees, which is typical of what Jesus did with just about everything. He flipped it. And, and, instead of, and instead of us selling everything, it's God who sells everything. And the, and the, va the, the pearl of great value, the, the uh, treasure hidden in the field, is you. It's me. Think about that. The God of all creation gives it all up for us. That's exactly what he did when he sacrificed his only son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Whew, my goodness. Doesn't that make your head spin when you think about it? Gave up his son so that we would be forgiven, to redeem us, to, to make us whole, to pay the price for our sin that we cannot possibly pay ourselves so that we might live eternity in that kingdom of God, with God. Now that's what you call reckless, isn't it? 
Say reckless. reckless. Say God is reckless because of you and because of me. Completely reckless. Not because God doesn't care about the consequences, but because the consequences are so important that God will do anything. He'll do everything to reach us. Your consequences and mine to the point of God making the ultimate sacrifice of son on the cross. Reckless love. Thank you, Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. I was your foe, still you love part of me. You have been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You have been so, so kind. So Corey Asbury, who we saw on the screen a few minutes ago, he was interviewed online at relevantmagazine.com and he shared that it wasn't until he was 19 years old that he really accepted the relationship as Jesus, as his Lord, that he was saved. He said he grew up in the church, but there's a point for all of us where we have to make that decision. And so we made it at 19, and he shared that he really wasn't living a godly lifestyle. And in his heart, in a lot of ways, he was against God. Now that sounds like, ooh, but I think we need to take a look at sometimes when we might be against God in a variety of ways that we live our lives. And he says that the scripture that best sums all this up is found in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So let's say that scripture again together. But God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so Christ doesn't wait for us to be believers, if we believe that, right? And it's scripture, so he doesn't wait for us. So we have a personal relationship with him. He doesn't wait for us to say, yes, Lord, yes, like the song says. He died for us while we're still sinners, while we're yet sinners, while we were, in Corey's words, against him. He fought for us even then. He's so good, so good to us. Even when we're feeling completely unworthy, as we talked about last week, Jesus paid the full price for us with his flesh, with his blood, with his life, with his loving kindness. No shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. No wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Sing that again, Paul. No shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. No wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. So we talked about Luke chapter 15, 
the shepherd leaving the 99 to find the one sheep. And that's really awesome that Becca Hartwick actually referred to that. She had no idea we were preaching that, <laughs> how she felt like that one sheep. In Luke 15, um, I shared that there's a series of three parables that talk about the lost and searching of something of great value until it's found. So the first one is about the lost sheep. The second one is about a lost coin. There's a woman who loses a coin. It's, it's thought that there's a headdress and there's 10 coins in the headdress. And the headdress was like representative of, of who she was. And when one falls out, it sig symbolizes maybe losing a wedding ring. So can you imagine the woman in this parable? She's sweeping a dirt floor with straw on it. Looking, looking, look. I mean, that almost feels like an impossible task. But she kept searching, searching until she found it. And then when she did, she called her friends, she called her neighbors to celebrate that was lost, that that was lost, was found. And that's how God searches for us in a similar fashion. The, the third in the series of the three parallels is typically known as the parable of the lost son also known as the parable of the prodigal son. Prodigal is an interesting word. It means spending your money or resources freely and recklessly, <laughs> wastefully extravagant. <laughs> it's a scripture that many of us are familiar with, but certainly worth repeating because it's so valuable. Long story short, a, a wealthy uh, man his, his, has two sons, and the younger of the two comes and says, Dad, I want my inheritance. You know, if you look at that, you realize basically he's saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. And his father loved his son enough that he gave him his inheritance early. And Scripture tells us that the young man went off to the far country. I love that, the far country. He's, he's far from Daddy. <laughs> he's far from God. He's far from any of the things that he would be proud of. And we're told that he spends all that inheritance in wild living. <laughs> and so he's destitute, he's starving, takes a job in a pig pen. It's kind of ironic, a, a Jewish boy taking a job in a pig pen, if you think about it. <laughs> and, he's, and he's sitting there and he's starving still. It's, it's not much of a job. In fact, he looks at the pig, he says, this is insane that the pigs have more to eat than I do. I'd be better off back at daddy's place as one of the servants. And the scripture says, he came to himself. I love that. He came to himself. He came to his right mind. He, he finally realized that he'd made a bad mistake and it was time to square things up. And so he heads home and, and he's thinking, what am I going to tell my father? He says, okay, he's got... Father, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I have sinned against you, against heaven and you. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Please make me as one of your hired servants. You ever had one of those things? I remember when I was a kid, I had to confess something to my dad. And I would run it over and over and over and over and over until finally I had to say it to get it off. You know, I'm sure this kid's on the way home, trudging home. Father... 
I've sinned against you in heaven and earth. I'm not worthy to be called your son. And please make me his winner. Over and over, hundreds of times, I'm sure, as he's heading home. It says before he even got home, his father saw him and ran to him. I'm sure the father had been looking for him every day. He didn't follow him because he knew following him wouldn't. That would just push the kid further away. But he kept an eye across the horizon when he's out looking over his field, looking over his servants, you know, uh, doing the planting, doing the harvesting. He's looking for the boy. And so he finally sees him at a distance, and he runs to him. Probably had a tunic. Can you imagine a tunic hiked up to about the knees? The old man running down the lane there. That's some picture. And it says he ran, and he threw his arms around him. He hugged him, and he kissed him. And the boy, he's well prepared. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please make me as one of your hired servants. The old man, I don't think, heard a word of it. Didn't hear a word of it. Because he's yelling to his servant. He says, hey, the boy's come home. Get him a robe. Get him a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. See, a robe represented uh, honor. Honor for this kid who took the inheritance and wasted it. In the ring, the script, or, um, some commentaries think that was like a signet ring, maybe the family crest. That, that showed authority. And sandals, servants are barefoot. This kid wasn't a servant. He's back in the family. Wow. We call it the prodigal son. We probably should call it the story of the prodigal father for his excessive love for this son. Reminds us of the excessive, reckless love of our father, doesn't it? Yeah, the kind of love that there's no shadow he won't light up, no mountain he won't climb up, coming after me, coming after you, coming after us. No wall he won't kick down. No uh, lie. He won't tear down, coming after me, coming after you, coming after us. Reckless love. That's the kind of love that God has for us. Total abandon, where he just loves and loves and loves. And our challenge is, do we believe it? Do we believe that God loves us that much? I mean, it's, it's not rational. We can't, like, put it in this, you know, nice little box because God is not in a box. God supersedes everything. And so, do we believe it? I can tell you that if you're hearing a voice in your head saying, God can't love me, that's a lie. That's a lie that the evil one wants to plant in your head. When you hear that, that is not God. Because God would never say, I can't love you or I won't love you. It's not part of God's nature. And so it would be Satan, who we say this just about every week, who wants to steal our joy, kill our dreams, and destroy our lives. Don't buy it. Don't take the bait. Put on the armor of God. Gird yourself. 
kind of an old-fashioned word, but it's kind of a cool word. Guard yourself in his armor. Protect your heart with that breastplate of righteousness, the shield. Put on the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. That's the Bible. Put on your uh, sandals of gospel and share it with others. When we say yes to God, we have this power inside of us that's not our own power because our power gets exhausted. God's power is never exhausted. It's unlimited. There's an unlimited resource. So I'm going to ask again, do you believe it? Do you believe it? And not only that, are you going to accept it and say yes because it's a gift. A gift is not any good if it remains unopened. Open it up, receive it. And this isn't a one and done. Every single day, those of us who have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, I believe we need to get up every day and make that decision again. Yes, I'm going to live for you, God, knowing that the Spirit lives in us. I mean, the Spirit doesn't go in and out. Once we're saved, it's like in us, in us, in you. And if it's not, we would say, just give it a try. It's the best life. You can do that from your seats just by saying, okay, God, I'm going to open my heart to you. I'm not sure what it means, but I'll take you in, and I trust you, and please, I'm sorry for what I've done. You can do that right where you're at. You can come up on the steps and kneel during our last song. Mike and Maria and Nancy are over in the back. They would love to pray with you. God loves you beyond measure. We'll climb up every mountain and we'll chase you relentlessly until you come into a full relationship with him. That's the good news of the gospel. Let's believe it and let's live it. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me, please? God, thank you so much for the way you love us. And we put all these um, conditions on love in this world, and it's hard for us to imagine that you don't have conditions. There's no if. I love you if. You just love us. And so no matter where we're at in our lives, no matter what we've done, Help us receive the greatest gift. It's a gift that isn't money, it's not fortune, it's not title, it's not position, it's not people. It is you who can carry us through our best times and our worst times. Thank you, Lord, for these three stories in Luke chapter 15 where you teach us about how far you'll go for each one of us. Thank you, God, for gathering us here this morning in this place, 4744 Summit Bridge Road, and those who are joining us online. God, we love you, and we pray all this in your holy name. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, everybody agreed and said, amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church. 
connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.